Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello. Sadly, we are not in person anymore. No. Oh, very sad. All right, so last week we talked about episodes three and four of SG-1 Season 3, where we met some system lords and had a call back to Michelle. Today we'll be talking about episodes five and six, Learning Curve and Point of View. Learning Curve premiered on July 22nd, 1999, was written by Heather E. Ash and directed by Martin Wood. Point of View premiered on July 30th, 1999, and was written by Jonathan Glassner and Brad Wright and directed by Peter DeLuise. So we've got some alternate dimension hijinks. Arzu, would you please summarize these two episodes? So Learning Curve, they are doing some kind of work exchange with another world who understands Nakwada better than they do. So Jack is there with Teal doing some work and they send one of the kids over with some Nakwada to kind of talk Sam through it. And it seems a little weird at first. And then you realize that what happens is they spend 10 to 12 years just pumping these kids full of information, at which point their brains are then harvested. So this information can be passed on to all of their like people rather than just learning things traditionally. And I got some thoughts about this. And uh, <laughs> point of view. <laughs> point of view. I can't wait. Um, they find an alternate dimension, Sam and Kowalski, mm-hmm. coming from a world where the gold have completely taken over Earth. Um, a bunch of things are different, including the fact that Sam and Jack are married in alternate Sam's world. Woo! And I... Okay. Um, <laughs> that episode was a wild ride uh, for <laughs> me, personally. I just... <laughs> both of these episodes were Richard Dean Anderson heavy, so yeah. I, I, was happy, I was happy with that. We got, we got dad energy in one episode. We got uh-huh. love interest energy in the second episode. It's giving me yeah. everything I wanted today. So <laughs> Good. This was... <laughs> Yes, great Jack content. (laughs) Okay, let's do our quote reveal. Last week I gave you the quote, she's going back to get her brain sucked out, and I dare anybody to phrase it more delicately. And your guess was that Daniel was talking about potentially Sharae, but more likely Sam, who's going through some weird situation and has to get part of her brain sucked out. So you're very wrong, but that's okay. here's the thing, I do recall, I do recall very, like, at the beginning musing that I like saying that I would say that this was Jack, but that seems too predictable at this point. And then that's when I changed my guess. <laughs> you should so have thought your gut. <laughs> and you were also hoping that point of view was from Sharae's point of view. And that did not happen, but I feel like you got a good substitute. <laughs> so. I, listen, I got a great substitute. And the thing is, the funny thing is, this alternate dimension that Sam and Kowalski come from, which we'll get to, they've never met Daniel, because that's not how all of this came about. Yeah. Which means Sheree doesn't exist in that continuity, which means, I guess, it's very similar to our continuity. Well, she does exist. It's just that she's probably still on Abydos and probably married another Abydos person. So she's not important to the plot, much like in right. our continuity. Right. <laughs> Daniel. You know. <laughs> Okay, so let's start with learning curve. How about these child labor laws? 
feel like there's a, a very big moral gray area <laughs> in this episode. I mean, it it's fine. At least I thought it was fine at first, obviously, given the larger context of why uh-huh. these kids are being taught so much. It's a little messed up, but... I mean, a lot of, like, early cultures just kind of put the kids in an apprenticeship right. at about 11 or 12, so. Right. I didn't think well, it was that weird. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, both sides have good points because, I mean, from SG-1's point of view, it's like, okay, this is definitely, like, child labor. Like, this is this is super weird. And the fact that Daniel doesn't question it is also weird. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, but Daniel doesn't question much. <laughs> yeah, it's like another case of like just going along with it because it's what the locals do. And it's like, I mean, maybe you should interrogate it a little bit more than that. <laughs> but then again, like this is what these people do. They've been doing it for 49 years and it works for them. And the children don't seem to be unhappy or hurting necessarily, you know, so it's just a big morally gray area i don't yeah yeah i did think it was funny when they were sending marin over with the naquita and they're like yeah daniel's gonna stay with with teal i'm like is this like a like i thought it was like a foreign exchange thing <laughs> like a work exchange i'm like daniel is about equivalent to a 12 year old child <laughs> then i realized i'd misunderstood and that's not what was happening but it was funny for a minute yeah i i feel like i actually i have multiple issues with daniel in this episode i i mm. love dan I love Daniel. He looks great in his little headscarf thing. It's cute. But the fact that he doesn't question these child laborers is a bit weird. And then also, so he's helping them excavate some areas to learn about their people's history. And it's like, okay, they it looks like this planet and their temple of the suns is based on Teotihuacan, which is a pre-Aztec empire, etc., etc. I'm like, okay, but like... But why are you white? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I... Uh, I don't know how I feel about this. If you're from the pre-Aztec empire originally, you should not be white. <laughs> I just... <laughs> It's just par for the course at this point. Yeah. I feel like and, they like, usually try to make I, a little bit of an effort. But. I feel like I kind of understand that the writers had, like, the wherewithal to realize that having this pre-Aztec culture and have, like, pre-Aztec suggested, not that this is uh-huh. actually in, in any way accurate to pre-Aztec culture, but having the suggestion of a pre-Aztec culture, having them all be brown or indigenous and then be like, we're going to suck our kids' brains out is a hashtag bad look. So True. I, I like I feel like that's what happened. That said, it's still very funny. Yeah, that's a good point. Because if it had been like people of color who were seeming to be hurting their children in some way, then that, that would be very, very bad too. Like the, I can't remember Marin's dad's name, but the kind of excited naivete he shows at this nanite extraction process. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but it's an honor and it's great. Like if, if you had, I hate to say it, if they had put a person of color there, then the audience's instinct would be like, my God, 
this is so barbaric. And like, I still feel that way. <laughs> it's extremely right. barbaric. But it's almost like they thought the audience wouldn't sympathize if they were people of color. They'd be right. like, well, these barbarians are nothing like us. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. Hmm. I feel like there's not really a good solution here. Maybe just... Maybe just don't make them pre-Aztec. Yeah, don't choose a pre-Aztec empire to be based on when somebody is doing something morally icky. You know, like... <laughs> yeah, like, make up and make it up. Mm-hmm. Have them be descendant from Irish people. I don't know. Have them not be descendant <laughs> of anybody. I don't know. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. They never did find out why the Gould left that planet, though. Which is interesting. I guess they didn't care. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess they just didn't really finish excavating. But I'm like, that's weird that there's no, like, recorded history of that. Because if it was only a couple hundred years ago that they left, why does nobody know? You know? Maybe that's part of what inspired the nanite learning process was that they lost all that information. Yeah. So if they can... Because this has only been going on for less than 50 years. So if they have now found a new way to disseminate that kind of information. That's probably mm -hmm. why, because they lost their history. Right. That's fair. Oh, one, I did kind of find it weird too, that they've only been doing this for 49 years because so when Kaylin is like, when they're trying to talk to Kaylin about, you know, why don't you teach your children the old fashioned way? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, he's probably like 35 to 40 range. And so he probably, you know, he grew up in a time when there was only this mm -hmm. and potentially his parents did too, if both generations had kids very young, but I would think at least his grandparents and definitely his great grandparents would have learned the old fashioned way because this has only been going on for 49 years. So it's not really that long. But even so, if they've learned the old fashioned way, if this is the way the society has developed like education. Mm hmm it was the grandparents' generation that did it. Yeah. So why would they tell them what learning the old-fashioned way is when they're the ones who have put forward this new way of learning? Yeah, I guess it's just weird because it makes it seem like the younger generations have no understanding of their own history. No, they don't. They just know what's happening now. I feel like that part wasn't passed on. Yeah, but that's just such a weird choice. And, like, nobody questions that. Like, how did we get to not, this point? It's not their place to question it. It's not something that would occur to them in everything else they're learning. I guess. It's like they, they're spending so much time developing their technology that they're just not even concerned with really culture at all, it seems like. Because it doesn't seem like they have any capacity for, like, art and creative endeavors necessarily i mean the art that they do have in their temples or whatever is really old yeah so it's like these people used to be like pre-aztec and had like a rich culture and everything and then the gold like probably used them as slaves to mine for naquita and eventually they overthrew the gold and then just radically changed their society into something that doesn't even remotely resemble what was there in the past. Yeah. I guess I just find that hard to believe. <laughs> I guess it didn't matter for, for the purposes of this, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
what is interesting though too is that this kind of feels like a throwaway episode because it's kind of weird and like we don't come back to this planet again but the Nakwada reactor that she learns how to make becomes huge <laughs> it's a very major well, plot point so it's just really interesting that's like the plot of this particular episode is weird and <laughs> questionable <laughs> <laughs> this left me with, with a lot of questions this episode. Yeah. yeah. So we learned that when they go through this process and they kind of give up their nanites, they kind of become this like shell of a human. Yeah. They don't really talk. They don't really react to anything because they don't know. Yeah. And they don't see the value in teaching them the old fashioned way. But here's my question. How much do they lose and how much do they have to relearn? Because they, they're obviously understanding enough of speech Mm-hmm. But they understand what is being said to them, but they somehow right. don't have the capacity to produce the speech. I noticed that too. I found it really creepy that none of the children are speaking at all, like not a single word. So there, there's like, it's one thing if you kind of understand a language, but you don't have the vocabulary to make sentences of your own because you don't understand the structure. Uh-huh. But if that's the only language you understand and you understand it's like the point of being able to actively react to what people are saying, mm-hmm. it's very strange that they've lost all capacity to generate a language. Because it's not like they right. don't know it. They already knew it. Yeah. There's that. There's also like the how much are you forgetting in that like humans will never f- learn how to breathe. We just like know how to breathe. Right. But like, do they have to relearn not to shit themselves? Like, yeah, like, I have a lot of questions about that too. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. I know that's a weird thing to think about, but I'm like, how far back does this knowledge extraction go? Because right. you're, you're as verbal as a baby is. Right. And that you understand what is being said, but don't have the capacity to say it back. Yeah. But like, yeah, like can you how much yourself? knowledge do they take? Right. Yeah, I agree. And just like understandings of what different things are. Like, okay, yeah, they, like, they taught them what a ball is, but, like, do they know what other normal objects in their <laughs> atmosphere are, you know? Like, Marin, by the end, knows how to draw, but doesn't have any vocabulary. Yeah. I'm like, that's... And even her drawing is not, like, there's no really thought behind it. She's not drawing a picture. She's just scribbling. Yeah, which is, like... I don't know. Like pre-toddler level. Like I want to make it clear that I'm not suggesting that a person who is who is nonverbal is like at a baby level. That's not right. at all what I'm yeah. saying. And I realize it might have come across that way. It's not what I meant. What I mean is like this is knowledge these kids previously had. Yeah. That has been taken from them. But like inconsistently. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder, like, did they have to relearn even just how to walk? Yeah, like, how much, How much? but obviously yeah. not, because when they go to visit Marin's brother, who has this done to him, like, he hops out of bed, and he's just, like, standing there, so he's fine. Yeah. M- mobility-wise. I don't think they were siblings, but yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know. I also have questions about when they are learning and they have all their nanites. So Marin is 11 years old and she says that she has been learning about the Nakwada reactors for 10 years. 
And I'm like, so you started learning at the age of one? And if they're starting out at infancy with millions of nanites, does that mean that when they're babies, they already have pre-programmed knowledge? That's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. She was shocked that Dr. Frazier and Sam and Jack didn't, like, had to go somewhere to acquire knowledge. Like, they're having it is just a state of of being. So So I think they do start out, like, pre-programmed. So, like, they were born with the knowledge of how to walk and talk and eat and do all these things. And then it would, it just takes them one year to figure all that out. And then they start learning. Like, I guess. But I mean, if you're physically the same size as human children on Earth would be, can you imagine a one year old? actively learning about Nagwita generators like even just like would their body be able to do that like has their body developed enough for them to walk around and interact with things it might be more theoretical until their body is able to do that yeah like they're just listening to information yeah yeah I just feel like this wasn't super thought out (laughs) no it wasn't it doesn't make any sense to me. Speaking of not thinking, Daniel in this episode, he and what's the dad's name? Kaylin, I think. Kaylin. He and Kaylin are having this conversation because the whole thing kind of becomes like a fight for Marin's autonomy and like mm-hmm. not sucking her brain out. So Jack mm-hmm. kind of like runs away with her, takes her to public school for the afternoon so she can go to art class. And then Daniel's having this conversation with Kaylin being like, well, you know, like, can't you just do this another way and teach everybody the old fashioned way? And Kaylin's like, well, if we don't suck her brains out, like, everybody will have to wait 12 more years, I guess, for somebody else to come of age to mm-hmm. get the knowledge from them. And I'm like, okay, but you could also spend those 12 years teaching everybody this the old fashioned way. Right. You know what I mean? And so first of all, I don't understand why that's not an option. Because they were willing to wait that long anyway. Yeah. So I don't understand why that's not an option. First of all. Second of all, Daniel's just like, oh, I didn't know that. Y- yeah, you you did. Like, I, I saw that coming. Like, yeah. How did you not put this together? Right. So. Yeah. I do think it's very telling, too, that of all the children that we saw, we only saw kids who were, like, right at the 10 to 11 age range. And we didn't see any, like, four-year-olds running around working on stuff. You know? I mean... First of all, because that would look weird. Second of all, I think it's just a practicality thing. Yeah. In terms that of would have, you have the That would have made the child labor thing stand out much more, though. It would have. But I think actual child labor laws are what prevented that. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I also cracked up majorly at Jack trying to get uh, Marin to, like, feel and be a kid. Right. So he like takes her to art class and she's like trying to draw a machine because it's something she knows and something she like right. he's like, no, draw a flower. And she's like, okay, it was a purple flower. I need purple. And she's trying to like mix her paint. And he's like, just draw whatever. I'm like, oh my God, let her draw a purple flower. <laughs> You're being so weird about this. So I mean, I can see how he's like trying to get her to loosen up. But I mean, when you consider that she was basically programmed to be smart. Like, she has not learned emotional 
she has intellect no at all. Yeah. Like, she doesn't like have any even vocabulary for doing things that are fun. Yeah. So if her line is you want her to draw a flower because she liked the flower, she accepts your premise, but being like, make it whatever color, draw a whole garden. I'm like, you are going way too fast. I'm like, you're doing advanced calculus and this girl's doing addition. Like you need to really back it up. Right. Yeah. This whole thing is just bizarre. Yeah. I was thinking about how, because when Daniel is saying that he thinks that because these people came from Teotihuacan, he thinks that the downfall of that city was due to the Gwol's influence. Mm-hmm. And to me, that seems to suggest, therefore, that pretty much any major civilization on Earth in the past has had its downfall because of Gwol's influence. You know what I mean? Which is, I mean, not exactly what he's saying, but I feel like you can kind of like infer that. And that's like a big theory. It almost yeah. makes me wonder if, I mean, they don't actually ever talk about the Romans, but if they would theorize that the Gwolds would cause the downfall of the Romans as well, you know? Maybe they did. I guess that seems to be what he's saying. Yeah. My, my. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I haven't really like fully thought that out yet, but <laughs> like I feel like there's a lot of implications there. It ends nicely though in the episode. Yeah, they still suck her brains out, but like yeah, <laughs> because she learned about the concept of fun, it like passes on to everybody. Which at yeah. first I was like, you don't just change a whole system overnight. Like what happened? And then it's like, oh, we sucked your brains out. Now we're all like painting and playing hopscotch. I'm like, oh yeah, that does make a little more sense. Yep. I mean, they, they also have the Nakwita information, but at least they're going to treat these kids better. Yeah. So, I mean, it made me wonder before if literally all they did was have these kids sit in a room by themselves all day long. Which, like, they're not being harmed, but they're not really being cared for either. I think that's that was the implication, was that, well, they're cared for in that their basic needs are met. Yeah. yeah. But beyond that... Well, so then this goes back to the whole, if the grandparents' generation is the one who invented this and came up with it or or whatever, or even the great-grandparents' generation, why did they not implement the old-school-type learning for these children who have gone through their ovarium? Because they didn't care. Because that that wasn't the point. Yeah. Maybe the grandparents' generation used to straight-up kill them. This is, like, the the more humane... Right. way to do it is keeping them alive that got dark I don't know <laughs> I mean you might be right because it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of empathy going around no so, I don't think that's something they have the capacity for right it's almost too bad though that we never come back to this planet because it seems like they are evolving extremely rapidly and they probably could be a good ally against the gold, but yeah. Oh well. Maybe they still I guess I kind of have in my head canon that Jax goes back to visit Marin every once in a while, just like he goes to visit the little boy Charlie who went off with the Tokra. Mm-hmm. You know? Jax just got little kids <laughs> of his own, like scattered around the galaxy. Right. And like he spends time with Cassandra too. Cause I mean that school that he took Marin to was where Cassandra went to elementary school. So now she's in middle school. So he obviously spends time with Cassandra. 
he's you know, just the be- he's the best. Jack the <laughs> yeah. best. I mean, he would have been a great dad. He was a great dad, I bet. He was a great dad. I did think Sam was really cute in this episode, too, because she was so excited to be learning stuff with Marin. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's having so much fun. And she, like, got so distracted with having fun that she forgot to tell Hammond that she was going to set off an energy pulse. <laughs> it's like, whoops. Sometimes they act like little kids, and it's just the cutest thing. Yeah. <laughs> And then also the reveal that Sam probably had her first kiss at the age of 15. <laughs> that was funny. Lots of kissing in these two episodes, or at least the <laughs> suggestion of it. Right. So yeah, I'm still, I'm still not totally sure how I feel about how they treat these children. But uh, we get the Nagwata reactor out of it, so, you know. <laughs> Problematic, but... You know. Yeah. Okay, so... Yes! Okay. Point of view. <laughs> alternate dimension time so I fully gaslit myself in the beginning of this episode uh-huh. and I was like that's not Sam mm-hmm. because she has long hair right and then it's like I'm Samantha Carter and I was like <gasps> alternate dimension because like she said SGA and I'm like I thought it was SGC yeah I'm like maybe I missed something <laughs> <laughs> so it was a lot of misunderstanding and then she mm. sees jack and she's like jack and it's like she's not calling him sir she's calling yeah. him jack and i was like oh my god i know where this is going <laughs> she loves oh, him <laughs> we got the sam and jack wedding photo right oh my god it's such a cute photo it's so <laughs> cute it's so cute they have the best chemistry <laughs> it's just i don't even I don't know. Something about mirrors. I What is the plot of this episode? I don't know. Because <laughs> my focus was entirely on this mess. <laughs> Just, oh my god. And so I feel the- like I feel like Jack is like, oh my god. This is what it could be if I let myself right? love her. Right? And then he was definitely he like, oh, this is what it would what feel like. Thought. What? And, like, this is what it would feel like if we kissed. I mean, listen, at the end, because we're jumping right ahead to the end because it's, yeah. like, the big part of the episode, is he's saying bye to alternate Sam, and she's upset because, you know, her Jack is dead. Mm-hmm. So this is, like, like she's losing him all over again. And he's like, but you're not losing me all over again. And then she, like, says something while she's crying. And then she, like, leans in and kisses him. And he's not, like, just letting her kiss him. He, like, fully kisses her back. Oh, yeah. Like, there is, like, head cupping. There is, And I'm like, damn, with this chemistry. And then <laughs> our Sam is looking through the little window. And she looks like she understands why this is happening. But also she's, like, kind of sad about it. And I'm like, yeah. She's very conflicted. <laughs> She's she's understanding, but maybe a little jealous. And oh I'm yeah. I think that this this prompts this prompts a change in them. <laughs> I hope. Don't say anything. I almost think that up until this point, she never consciously thought about it. How do you not consciously you know? think about it with those eyes in your face <laughs> all the time? Well, like, like I feel like I feel like the there was chemistry, but because they weren't allowed to be together, she just didn't even think about it as a possibility. But seeing an alternate version of herself with him, she's like, oh, wait, this is stirring something in me that I didn't realize was there. 
you know? Yes, she should give in to that instinct stirring within her. <laughs> yeah. And jump his bone. <laughs> it's just my just my two cents. Um yeah. I can't believe this ship is gonna end badly. And I'm gonna you're you're all gonna have to deal with the fallout. <laughs> Why do you think it's gonna end badly? I don't trust sci-fi writers. <laughs> That's don't. fair. That's fair. <laughs> so but it was insane chemistry. Yeah. And he was like telling Kowalski because he's like, why did you and your Sam never get together? And it's like, well, she's a major in this universe. And he's like, yeah. oh, it's against regulations. But it seems like that's the only thing stopping him. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's such a small thing. It's like such a small consideration. Yeah. And you're letting it ruin your happiness. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't even know what to say about this episode. It was like, it was like, I got what I wanted. They kissed, but like, it wasn't really them. Like it wasn't yeah. really Sam. Right. So like at what cost? Right. <laughs> at least you got to see it happen this time. That's true. It's not like previous we're engaged. Alternate. Right. Like hug. Stoic <laughs> embrace. Yeah. Hug only. <laughs> so as for the plot. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I don't know what happened. The alternate dimension that Sam and Kowalski have, have come from is kind of like the other one that Daniel went to where the where Apophis is attacking Earth, except that it's just happening a little bit later for them, which is interesting. And so they're trying to prevent this Gwal takeover. Right. The Gwal took over. Right. That right. part. And we saw Apophis, who had facial hair. That was that was new. And Tilk had different facial hair. This in this in this world, they all have facial hair. <laughs> yeah, that's like in. <laughs> I like Tilk's little uh, little soul patch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Just glued it on and call it a day. So, okay, so the team goes through the quantum mirror to this alternate dimension to help them get in touch with the Asgard and their dimension so the Asgard can come and save them. And Teal'c is going to be doubled in this one. And so he immediately finds himself and kills himself with very little hesitation. And I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. Yes. Um, <laughs> Something about self-loathing. Yeah, I mean, his response is that, you know, his reality is the only one that matters. And I'm like, I mean, I can see that a little bit, but I don't think that's the whole story. Because he, like, gives himself, his other self, a chance to renounce the Gwaul'd. And yeah. his other he gives self... He like, ten seconds. Yeah, and so he just kills him. And so it makes me wonder if... He's trying to think about this from his own perspective of if he hadn't defected and he was in this position and, you know, what would he want? You know, would he want a way to be free of the world no matter what? So maybe he sees it as saving his other self from the things that he's doing that he knows he doesn't want to be doing. Mm -hmm. you know yeah I do know 
So I think Tilk needs therapy. I think they all need um, therapy. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Just being able to kill your other self like that with no hesitation is wild. It's definitely something that requires therapy. And I did also think it was too bad that we didn't really get a kind of buddy-buddy moment between Jack and Kowalski because Kowalski was his best friend before he died. And when he sees Kowalski for the first time, he doesn't hug him. He doesn't really even greet him in any way. And they never have a moment of like just the two. I mean, they had that one moment with the two of them where Kowalski is like asking him if they ever had a relationship, but it's not really a friendship moment. I know it's Mm -hmm. at least not the kind that I wanted, like not with the kind of depth that I wanted. I'm like, your best friend who died a couple years ago is back for a limited time. And I feel like he's not taking advantage of it. I feel like I can understand it insofar as like the first time he sees Kowalski, he's also reeling with the fact that he and Sam seem to be an item. Mm Mm-hmm. So I understand that. But after that, that's where that kind of opens up for them to have a more in-depth conversation. You're right. They never do. Right. And on Kowalski's part, too, because he saw his Jack die three days mm-hmm. before. So you would think that he would also want, like, another chance to hug his best friend, you know? Maybe they're not best friends in their timeline. I don't know how they wouldn't be. I don't know. But even like, but that doesn't even track because even if they're not best friends in Kowalski's timeline, they are best friends in Jack's. Right. So that doesn't that doesn't track. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that was just like a missed opportunity. It's one of those things I feel like they just don't think about. I did find it also really interesting that in this alternate dimension where the ghouls are attacking, it's another dimension like the one that Daniel went to before where the Daniel in that reality is not part of the Stargate program. Because that seems to suggest that it is Daniel's presence in the Stargate program specifically that saves the program, that saves the Earth, really. So what do you think about that? I would love to know what happened in their universe for this to still be a thing and for Daniel to not be involved at all. Well, because in the other one that we saw at the end of season one, it was like Catherine used some of Daniel's notes to help them figure out the Stargate. But they don't even know who Daniel Jackson is. It's not like they had his notes. They don't know who he is at all. Well, it was Catherine that was looking into him before, not them. So they wouldn't necessarily know. In the other timeline. Well, but even in this one, if it was also Catherine who tried to recruit him and he said no, then, you know, maybe Sam would have heard his name in passing a few times, but not enough to, like, really register who that is. But the thing is, like, they're both, like, Sam and Daniel are both academics. Uh Uh-huh. And Sam's got enough crossover that she's not a military personnel in this. She's the academic. Mm Mm-hmm. Which makes me wonder, like, if she doesn't know who Daniel Jackson is at all, because academia is not that big a field. If she doesn't know who Daniel is at all, maybe he's not even a doctor in that timeline. But, I mean, he's a doctor of archaeology. I don't see how that would have any overlap, necessarily, with astrophysics. Not really, but because because of the specific niche of this and, like, the cultural aspects of it, it makes me wonder if she has, like, some of that knowledge. 
Well, it could also just be that when they first talk about him, they just say Daniel. They don't say Daniel Jackson. And they're like, who's Daniel? And so he they say Daniel him. Jackson to them. But they first reference him as, oh, that's like what Daniel saw when he went through to that alternate reality. Because he's not in the room when they first. Right. But then later when he introduces himself, they still don't know who he is. I don't think we really get a moment of them not understanding who he is. I mean, they know. But there's I mean, no like, but if you knew who he was, there would have been a moment of recognition. But even if, one. even if the alternate Sam had read some of his papers, she may not have ever met him personally. Like she may not have known what he looked like. I don't know. I just feel like in this alternate world, Daniel was not like consequential enough for this. Well, yeah, but that goes back to my original point of Daniel being involved in the Stargate program ultimately saves the Earth, I guess. In our timeline. Well, like we've, seen that. Timeline. we've seen that happen in multiple timelines because there's these two alternate dimensions that we've seen where he's not there and the ghouls are taking over and the Earth is losing. Oh, I, and see. Then, I see what you're saying. And then also when Daniel is scrolling through the different dimensions trying to find the right one, he sees a dimension where there is a Captain Carter expecting him, specifically Daniel, to come through because she's like gesturing and waving for him to come through, which means that there's another reality where there is a Daniel Jackson in the SGC and their reality has not been taken over by the Gwold. In fact, they are also helping another reality <laughs> go through the quantum mirror and, you know, overtake the gold. So it's showing the, this correlation of the ones that do have Daniel don't have the gold and the ones that don't have Daniel do. Okay, now I see what you're saying. Yeah, yep. I would agree. So Daniel is the reason for everything. Including Sheree having a miserable life. <laughs> Never forget yeah, I'm kind of thinking on the ones where Daniel's not involved in the Stargate program, like, Sheree is probably, like, happy married to some other, like, Abedonian dude, you know? Yeah, you know, just living her life, got her family. <laughs> yeah. Not being abducted. Right. Or possessed by a worm. It's a good life. <laughs> I guess you could argue that that could have happened anyway if Apophis had gone to Abydos at some point. But it's a bit of a stretch because that only happened when they unburied their their gate in order to go get Daniel. So if Daniel hadn't stayed behind, then they wouldn't have been able to go back to Abydos. Right? Right. So, yeah. I don't know. A lot of time hijinks there. Hard to keep track of. <laughs> Doesn't matter because the only timeline that matters is the kiss. <laughs> the only thing that matters the only timelines that are valid are the ones that have Sam and Jack as a couple what? the only dimensions that are valid yeah. are the ones that have them as a couple which should be all dimensions <laughs> I know infinite dimensions and infinite possibilities but there are a couple in every single one of them I did think it was really funny how when Daniel was scrolling through the different dimensions it was like most of the time, the other quantum mirror was either in the SGC or in Area 51. But there was one where it was on a beach. And I'm like, what's going on there? They just took it to the beach for a good time. I guess. 
but it makes sense that like most of them are going to be relatively the same but there are going to be a few really weird ones out there so like what's going on with this beach one i mean yeah infinite infinite possibilities right <laughs> yeah the sbc is based on a beach mm -hmm. and as for the question of why sam the military in some dimensions and why she doesn't in others we actually are going to get an answer about that in this season, episode 12. Oh. Does alternate so, Sam come back? Tuned. Is there a love triangle? No. <laughs> I don't want to get your hopes up. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> That's what fanfic is for. No, we just get a little bit of Sam's background from her childhood. So, okay. we kind of find out why she joined the military in the first place. Daddy issues. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> not too hard to figure out. No, not at all. <laughs> but you'll get the details pretty soon. There's a line when alternate Sam tells our Sam that she feels inferior for not figuring out how to defeat the gold. And I'm like, well, to be fair, it's not like our Sam figured that out on her own. <laughs> like... They had a huge benefit of Daniel accidentally traveling to an alternate dimension to get the coordinates for the origin of the attack from yet another civilization in that alternate dimension and being able to come back with it and then surviving that long enough to establish a friendship with the Asgard and other things you know so it wasn't like it was like Sam, a 25 step plan right it wasn't like Sam personally figured out how to defeat the Gwold so I'm like I cut yourself some slack you know it's fine <laughs> there's lots of dimensions where everybody failed so you're not inferior I did think it was really cute how when Jack asks our Sam if what she thinks about the whole having a twin thing and she's like do you have a couple hours and he was like yeah okay and she was like oh no that was a joke but, like he was really willing to like go sit down with her for somewhere for a couple hours and talk this out i'm like that is so he cute he loves her <laughs> he loves her so much and he doesn't know what to do with it <laughs> and him like his reaction when the alternate sam used his catchphrase that's so cute. He's, He's just, just he so doesn't conflicted. care what dimension she's from. He's just in love with her. <laughs> I also thought it was cute how both of the Sams held hands when they were figuring out what was wrong with the alternate Sam having like seizures, basically. I'm like, oh, they're like friends. That's nice. You gotta be there for yourself, you know? <laughs> yeah. You're your that... own biggest supporter. <laughs> yeah. So she was having like her like face was kind of jumping out of her body and I was wondering if everybody could actually see that or if that's just for the audience's benefit. I think that's for the audience's benefit because I think there would have been a lot more screaming if everybody could see that. Right. That's yeah, what I was thinking was too. I feel like Jack would have made a comment like why is her face coming out of her head? You know? Yeah. It definitely would have been commented upon. Right. We have another instance of someone running and leaping through a stargate i'm like you are just gonna 
fall on your face on the other side. I don't understand where you're leaping through. Just run through. It's fine. Because <laughs> they're prepping for um... Infinity. Yeah, that's the name. I'm like the bad one. <laughs> Infinity. Instead of running and leaping through, it's like <laughs> it's rocketing through. <laughs> yeah, so alternate dimension has a lot of cleanup to do. But they got rid of Apophis, and I'm assuming that they're probably going to immediately jump into negotiating the peace treaty thing with the Gwold system lords, since the Asgard are there now. They're probably going to make it a protected planet. So they're kind of like jumping ahead a few steps. Like they're behind where RSG1 was in terms of being able to defeat this particular mission with Apophis and like jumping ahead to like where the Asgard are actually helping protect the planet. Yes. Yeah. Of course they can afford to jump ahead. They don't have a charade to save. <laughs> It'll just be really interesting to see how much I, I wish we could go back and see this particular timeline again, this particular dimension, just to see how they are progressing you know, if they're progressing at the same rate or if they're behind or ahead because of what happened now, you know, that would mm -hmm. be interesting. Yeah. Maybe somebody has written some fix about it. Maybe. If not, you should. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about? They kissed. Yeah, they sure That's did. It. That's all I got. They sure did kiss. They kissed and it was hot. And they enjoyed it. They really did. <laughs> I hope that alternate Sam found some closure with that. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's not what I meant, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to redact the rest of my comments. Okay. <laughs> Save that for the after dark. Uh huh. <laughs> Do you think these episodes hold up for a modern audience? I think so. The child labor one is a little more iffy, I think. I think it, it, not the child labor so much as the like these white people are proto aspects. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I don't think it's the worst episode by far. No, no, no. It's, it's just no, iffy. Uh, what's the one that we don't like? Emancipation? Emancipation. I keep wanting to call the episode Concubine. I'm like, I know that's not right. <laughs> I mean, I would know what you were talking about if yeah. you said the episode about the concubines. <laughs> you know that episode Concubine? Like, no, that's not a thing. But um, it's no Emancipation. But nothing. Yeah. Else, so. Yeah. Thankfully. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> Any other final thoughts? Next week, we'll be talking about episodes seven and eight, Dead Man Switch and Demons. And you're welcome to walk, watch along with us. Are you ready for your next quote, Arzu? Your quote is, so you don't seem to have much of a problem trading human lives like commodities. I keep wanting to say Jack, but I'm not going to say Jack because it was Jack this week. So I'm going to say Sam um, talking to the alien of the week. Okay. Any guesses on context? Nope. <laughs> None whatsoever. <laughs> Staying firmly out of that. Yep, because that way I'm right no matter what. Are you though? Yeah. <laughs> you can't get a point for correct 
context if you don't give context. I did give context. She's talking to the alien of the week. Okay. That's the context. Okay. <laughs> That's it for today. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, and we would love for you to rate and review wherever you can. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast Twitter and Tumblr page at Wormhole Waffles. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Chelsea Fairless. Arzu, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at Arzu I mean. I'm at Arzu D2 everywhere else. So Instagram, Tumblr, and Hive. I almost said TikTok. I don't have TikTok. As for the Geeky Waffle, you can find us on Twitter at Geeky underscore Waffle. We are the Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Tumblr. And we are the Geeky Waffle on YouTube. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon.